what is hope? The, a simple definition of hope would be having this confident expectation of something good coming on the horizon. Right. We're hopeful for something better. Uh, hope is an expectation that my life can get better and things will get better, whether it's in my family or my kids or my health. We, we, we can be hopeful. Uh, but living, I think, when you look around at the nation and the world, living in a, a, a hope-filled life, is a challenge when you are looking out at the world yeah. it seems like it's gone off the rails in so many ways have For you sure. noticed <laughs> <laughs> i mean in fact if you live with a general sense of hope like well i i feel good i'm I, and i don't want to really use the word optimism but it's like that i'm optimistic something good good things are going to be happening in my life if you live with that general sense day to day you are in a minority because I, I, that kind of hope seems to be escaping yeah. people in the day that we live in. I mean, just take a look around. If you read the news, how many of you look at the news? <laughs> look at the state of the world. Yeah. Look at the state of things happening in our nation, in so many cities of our world, and even in our families. You, you just get this sense that people are overworked, overextended in so yeah. many ways. People are overly angry, overly tired, overly worried. Overly anxious, yeah. <laughs> overly addicted. We hear about so yeah. much about addiction. We are short on time. It seems like people are short on money, <laughs> short on friends, short on patience, and certainly short on peace, yeah. just general in, inside inner peace, feeling like, like I have peace in my life. And so many people, and I mean, I do in certain ways, and I'm sure you do, spend a lot of time online, and depending on where you're at online, if it's Instagram or if it's Facebook or what kind of social media, it, it, you're putting yourself on there, it can look like you have it all together. And people often pretend like they have it all together when they're <laughs> online. But then when you read statistics and you see the news and you see the rising depression rates and the suicide right. rates, especially among the younger generation, I think, well, this is telling a little different story here. And then you have... So many overdoses yeah. of drugs and murders and just senseless loss of life. That's telling us something. It should be telling us something about the, some kind of inner desperation that's going on in people's lives. There's, when you look at statistics, which we did in order to create this message, mm -hmm. there's this rising use of anti-anxiety medications and antidepressants in young people. Teenagers, even young, under the age of mm -hmm. a teen. Painkillers, we all know this, you know, the yeah. fentanyl and just prescribed painkillers are on the rise. Alcohol use, pornography, just social media escaping, just people just online scrolling. People are putting their hope in political parties. It's like, yes, <laughs> this, is, this is the political party is going to be the hope. And I just look, there's just so many ways that I think people are afraid to grow older. There's a fear of growing older and anxiety. Oh, no, I'm getting wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> we've, all, we've, we've gone through that, you know. Image control. Oh, well. <laughs> They're telling 20-year-old women, go get fillers for your face. I'm thinking, you're 20? And you need to look <laughs> a filler? And Botox and, yeah. you know, facelifts and 
People are surgically removing parts and changing parts in order to figure out who my essence is. Like, yeah. what is my, the, the whole gender confusion? We're, we're, it's the inner peace that we're looking for seems to be just escaping people. And our kids are suffering. Yeah. You know, our families are suffering. Our marriages are suffering. You know, our, our parenting is suffering. It yeah. seems as though we just are losing our bearings in so many ways, mentally, emotionally, and certainly spiritually yeah, right. <clears throat> when you look around. Um, but the absolutely good news is, and you came to church here not to hear all the bad news. <laughs> you came to church <laughs> to hear the good news. The good news is that Jesus came, Scripture says, as a great physician. Yes. Uh, and he came... And when we know in the Gospels, he healed broken bodies, physical bodies, but he also came to restore mm -hmm. and heal our minds and our emotions. Right. And he, he came to bring hope to people's lives into what he would call a sin-sick world. People that are broken down by sin. Mm -hmm. And this is really what's causing a lot of the despair and anxiety and fear that people fear today. It's a result of all the chaos that sin is causing and people are broken down by it our minds and our hearts are getting broken down by sin and so in the next four weeks we want to talk about finding hope how yeah. do we find hope in the struggles of life today we're going to talk about fear and anxiety next week is going to be about loneliness and loss you know it's for all the time that people spend on social media and connecting with supposedly hundreds and thousands of people so many people still feel very lonely right it's a superficial connection we'll be talking about that we're going to talk about on the 19th discouragement and depression and then the last week defeat and addiction and how god can bring us hope yeah i mean living hope a real living hope out of all the struggles that we that we experience in our life yeah the, the bible does say that uh jesus is the great physician you yeah. know he knows you he knows me he knows humanity because he created humanity <laughs> he knows what causes us to break which is amazing and he knows that uh, he came to heal the brokenhearted and bind up our wounds yeah. this is this is the living hope jesus the, our hope is living and it's a person mm -hmm. it's not something it's not circumstances it's a person. Mm -hmm. Our hope is living, yeah. and he's available to us at all times. He is the great physician. Let's go to Mark chapter 2. Mark is the second uh, gospel in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark. We're going to go to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 is right after Mark chapter 1. <laughs> <laughs> right before Mark chapter 3. <laughs> and we're going to look at verse 16 and 17. Jesus, the great physician, if we just let him do what he wants to do in our hearts and in our minds, in our emotions, we're going to become established people. Mark six, 2 verse 16 and 17 when the teachers of the law, who were the Pharisees, saw Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors, he asked his disciple, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? 
This is really surprising to the Pharisees because they all saw themselves as extremely learned people. They were the special people. Uh, they were. They claimed to be righteous before God. And they couldn't understand why a holy man like Jesus, who miracles were happening through, and people being directed to God through Jesus, he, they, he couldn't figure out why is this holy man eating with sinners and tax collectors? It, you know, why would they, why would he take the time to sit down with broken people? And the Pharisees actually were just as broken as everybody else, but they were too proud to say that they were. And Jesus heard them, overheard them say this, and this is what he says. It's pretty amazing. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not to call, come to call the righteous, but sinners. <laughs> you know, God sees what sin has done and how it's broken us down. And not just us, but the whole world. And he also sees how we uh, try to hide it. And we try to fix it ourselves. But Jesus is the great physician. He is. Uh, you know, so many people are living a, a silent, lonely, struggling life of fear and anxiety. Loneliness, depression. You know, we've got loved ones that we all know that are filled with alcoholism and drug addiction. And Jesus didn't come only to heal the physically sick. He came to help us in our emotion. He came to heal us and make us whole spiritually, physically, and mentally. Yeah. Yeah. This, is, this is really what he wants to do. Yeah. And, and he, he came to heal us this way to make us whole, but also to bring us into a, a relationship with God the Father. Yeah. And honestly, that relationship with God the Father, it's the foundation. It's the beginning of finding the new life in Christ because Jesus is the real and living hope. And he'll carry us through this life and in eternity. Yeah. He, he doesn't just leave us here. He's, he's working on us, Amen. <laughs> the key is we have to realize that turning to God for help is the best thing you could do because you cannot do this on your own. You and I both know the thoughts we've been having all day, yesterday, the day before. Listen, most of those thoughts are wrong. Most of those thoughts are against what Jesus came to do for you and for me. You know, when we, when we actually come and, and yield our hearts to him, he starts to work on building this living hope, this relationship that he wants us to develop. He starts right where we are. We don't have to try to fix ourselves before it happens. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Let's ask God for help. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we know we're accepted because that is the name above every name. We ask that you would help us to see that true hope is a person. It's Jesus. Help us begin this journey that establishes the living hope <laughs> that you want everyone to experience. Help us to comprehend the strength and the assurance 
that you can bring to every human heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, again, today, you know, as we talk about Bible hope, the kind of hope that God can give us in the midst of fear and anxiety, some of you, some of you have struggled with fear and anxiety, and you could really relate to this. So whenever you say, well, we're going to talk about fear and anxiety, you're like, oh, I am all locked in. Mm-hmm. Like, just, I'm ready to take notes. I'm, just, you know, talk to me about this. Others of you, when you hear we're going to talk about fear and anxiety, you're like, eh, maybe not so much. Like, that's just not my, what I struggle with. I struggle right. with other things. Uh, but I would just say, don't tune the message out just yet. <laughs> Because, you know, I could give you a few things to just be fearful and worried about. (laughs) Thanks. Like, just read the news, for instance. You know, or how about the doomsday clock? Have you ever heard of the doomsday clock? (laughs) It was was created. Some of you are like, no, I don't know what this is. No, it was created after World War II in 1947 by this group of atomic scientists, you know, after they dropped... Uh, the atomic bomb on Japan, and it, it was like this symbolic time key, time piece that they right. showed for how close that we are by way of human catastrophe, like what would humans do to cause a global catastrophe, how close are we to doomsday, and so the clock was set at that time, 1947, after that bomb dropped, and many thousands of people died, and they said, we're, you know, we're like two minutes to midnight. Is, is where they put it. Mm-hmm. And then as the years went by in global warming. Yeah, they're adding that. Of which everybody is so afraid of. Well, <laughs> they said it. They reset it to 90 seconds. I'm just telling you, they did. Right. 90 seconds to midnight. And then they, I don't know what they've done with it now, but I can only imagine that after COVID and now with AI coming in full force, and we know that the fear of robots are going to take over humans and take over the world. Yeah, yeah. We're probably like, what, five seconds to, to midnight. And then I thought, wait, we just turned the clocks back an hour. So we're probably on. <laughs> we're good, guys. We're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> we're all right. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, when a person struggles with fear and anxiety, and you don't, it can get real easy to just give a flippant answer to people. Well, just stop, don't worry. Just stop worrying. It's okay. Don't worry. Be happy. Trust God. We could just say some of these flippant things. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes, often, men can have a little bit more of that approach. Yeah. And so we found this clip. How many of you remember Bob Newhart? Probably not. That's our generation. <laughs> but he makes... He makes a good point about how maybe not to approach <laughs> yeah. people's anxiety. Just watch this for a second. Five dollars for the for the first five minutes, and and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that. That our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. Wow. Okay. And uh, and I I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <clears throat> go. Well, tell what? me. 
tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No, no, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> Hopefully, we're a little more gracious than Bob Newhart. <laughs> but sometimes our advice is the same. It says, well, just have faith in God. Don't worry. Be happy. You know, that, I mean, there are times, well, listen, everybody, really, everybody deals with anxiety. Everybody. And, and sometimes... Anxiety and certain types of fear are okay. They're good. They're all right. Like when you're walking down in Pittsburgh in a dark alley, <laughs> it's, it would be good to be a little yeah. on edge. Amen? <laughs> or if you're walking down the railroad tracks and then all of a sudden you hear a train whistle, it would be good for you to be a little tense and, and have your muscles really tightened up, you know, ready for fight, uh, fight or flight. You have to get going in this, you know, so it can be good. A little anxiousness is okay. It actually will protect you in certain times. Amen? Yeah, but... In a recent study, like Pastor Mamie says, we were looking at some things and uh, some statistics and some uh, studies. In a recent study that they said that college students, 22% of college students felt overwhelming anxiety in the last 12 months. Not just anxiety, but overwhelming anxiety in the last 12. And they couldn't say that there was anything specific that they felt that way or caused it. And these are, these are pre-COVID stats. It says here that 7 out of 10 U.S. teens between 13 to 17 have named anxiety and depression as a major problem among their peers. Among their peers. 75% of high school students express boredom, anger, sadness, fear, or stress while they're at school. 
And I think because of the last 24 years, you, you look, it started off with Columbine, where these, these, these mass shootings in schools have an underlying effect, and it doesn't just simply go away. It doesn't just go away. I do believe, with, and that was just the beginning. That was 1999. Right. But there's some fallout to that. You know, we can think the day goes, goes by, weeks go by, months go by, and we're over it. Uh, but I do believe that some of these things that have been happening over and over again is what's producing mm -hmm. this background of living in a, in a high-anxiety world. It's just changed our social culture. Yeah. I mean, gone are the days, especially for kids, you know, speaking of our generation, it's like, see you mo later, mom, and you'd meet your, your friend, up, you know, down the street and walk, whatever it was, a half a mile to school, stay out all evening playing. Nobody was saying, get home, where are you? Yeah. Now kid parents are afraid to drop their kids off at a bus stop. Kids are getting driven to school because I, we don't want them to ride on a bus. Right. Uh, you know, I, that recent Sound of Freedom movie yes. just highlighted the danger of sex trafficking for kids here in the U.S. You know, it's a major problem. And so schools now have, of course, have metal detectors and they, we have security guards in schools. And search your backpack. They search the backpack at schools, airports. And we've kind of gotten used to this way of life. Uh, but I do believe when we've just started to pray about this and looking at it, it's like, yeah, but subconsciously, mm -hmm. I think there, it's, ha it's having an effect in our people's minds and hearts, especially if you don't know what to do with it. Correct. And you just think, well, I'm just going to try to forget about it and hope nothing like that happens. But, but subconsciously, you could be living with this sense of the world isn't safe, and I'm not right. safe. Right. Because many things are becoming more and more uncertain. It's just the truth. Mm -hmm. And it creates this lingering what-if scenario in people's minds. Well, what if that happens here? Or what if that happens to my kid? And then I think to myself, we went through, go back two solid years of continual COVID. Fear-mongering. Fear-mongering, if you will. I mean, just there was a lot of arousing public fear and alarm over what could happen. You know, that, that the virus, the, and granted the virus had a danger to it, but there was this, I believe, over-the-top alarm and fear, masking, shutdown, stay at home, don't talk to people, don't look at people, don't, you know, get out of your house, yeah. Vac vaccine after vaccine. Then the people, then the, the job insecurities came, people were losing jobs, and parents had to stay home to teach their kids because nobody was there to watch the kids who had to stay home. People right. had food insecurity. Mm -hmm. And really, depending on how your mind and heart handled all that, along with just personal difficulties that were maybe going on in your home, you don't just switch all that off one day and go, the news says the pandemic's over. Everybody just... Turn the station. Turn the station, yeah. <laughs> Especially when the craziness of life just continues and yeah. it has. We can just like breathe a sigh of relief, oh, that pandemic's over, but it's as though now look at the world. It's not exactly gotten any calmer, right? <laughs> and, I, and when fear and anxiety live in our lives and, it, and it's prolonged, that's when it begins to yes. have a negative effect. It can negatively, truly affect certainly the way you think, and it's going to even affect your physical body. It robs you of sleep. 
you, you can't think clearly mm-hmm. if you just feel f- fearful and, and anxious. People get edgy. People get angrier, easier. Yeah. They isolate more. Mm-hmm. We see this happening. It's like internally, like Pastor Steve mentioned, you know, if you're going on a dark street and it's like you tense up, there is this reaction they call fight or flight, and there is even a reaction called freeze. Yes. But it's as though when you're living with this prolonged sense of fear and anxiety in your mind and heart, it's as though you're on this low-grade, revved-up sense of fight or flight, or run from it, or just freeze. Like people become yeah. numb and just try to numb it out of their mind. And I believe this is where we get to with drug use and alcohol yes. use and all the over the, the addictions that we see. Try to but numb the, it all out. Yeah, but yeah, and the pace of our world. Oh my gosh! It's just fast, isn't it? Things are changing so rapidly. It, it's like the ground beneath your feet is just moving and shaking faster than it ever has been. You know, people today, they, they are unable to have a, uh, a social and a cultural stability that we, our age, really took for granted. It wasn't anywhere close to this. Yeah, but the, <laughs> the biggest problem, the biggest piece that's missing is truly a spiritual walk with God. It's really, because that's, that's where you're going to have the stability. That's where you're going to have the confidence. It really is. Uh, that Columbine shooting in 1999, Pastor Ben, our son, Pastor Ben, was a senior in high school when that happened. Our daughter was uh, 12, 13 years old when that happened. And it was, the whole, the whole world was shocked especially parents that had kids going to school. It, it brought out just like, ah, uh, now what? But uh, I, I remember one time that uh, Pastor Mamie was driving the kids to school. Yeah, I mean, we, well, we began to get more diligent about praying for protection before the kids went off to school, before they'd go to school. It's like, mm-hmm. and... We would do that, and I remember driving our daughter, who was going to the junior high. She was with a friend, and uh, I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit as she got out of the car. It's like I drove around the school, you know, just praying. No weapon formed against her and the school, the kids, the teachers, all of it will prosper. And pleading the blood of Jesus, you know, around the entire school. Just taking the extra time. And when I look back on it, I think to myself, well, that's what held our family steady. Yeah. In the midst of a shaking world, it was like it, because it, you know it shakes up the kids. They hear about these things happening. They need to know what to do in their own mind and heart. What but really stabilized our family was that we had hidden the word of God in our yeah. heart. Yeah. And, and we were able to uh, bring that out to our children, that confidence in the word of God. Uh, we take a look at Isaiah, Isaiah 26. This is really something. Because with that, Ben and Hannah, Mamie and I, we were able to face the world with, with confidence in and, God. And courage. Truly you know. courage. Because we did have the word of God hidden in our heart. It was something that came out of our mouth really quick and really easy. It's what we kept our mind on. 
in Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4, this helps us. It says, you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For in God, the Lord, we have an everlasting rock. Yes. It's, it's the foundation that did not shake us. It's because we knew that Jesus was a person, he was real, and we knew that he was blessing us. We knew that his word was filling us up to, you know, and we built our life on solid ground. Remember that story in Luke? He says that the storms of life come to everybody, everybody. And he says the house that stayed during those storms and did not fall was because that person, that individual dug deep and put that on solid rock. And that digging deep means there's effort. And it takes time to do this. It takes time. You need to read the word. You need to meditate on the word. You need to ask God to help you understand the word. Act like he's right there. Pull up a chair there and leave it empty. And you're sitting at a table... Jesus, I need you to teach me this. I want you to, because you need to make it real in your life. Because bringing it to this kind of reality will hold you when the whole world is losing their mind. You'll be able to stand. You'll be able to stand. In Daniel, it says, those who know their God will be strong and do exploits and lead many into righteousness. Things are going to happen in this world that's going to rock everybody. But those who know God, those who know through Jesus Christ, the living God, will be strong, will be able to be steady, will be able to have confidence and walk forward when everybody is running away. And when we do this, people are going to see this courageousness that's in you that's because greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to follow you. Yeah. You're going to be able to be a witness about who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be able to say, I want what you have. Yeah. This is really important. So walking, this is on our, the statement that's up on the screen here. Walking in freedom from fear and anxiety. How does it begin? It begins by making a decision to build your life on God's word. That's true. That's the foundation. Jesus said that, like Pastor Steve was saying, the storms of life are going to come against all of us. You could either build your life on sand, which he said when the storm comes and it's built on sand, it's going to be washed away. Yes. But if we build our life on God's word, there is a stability that comes with it. And we cannot build our life. So many of us take time, a lot of time, we're on social media a lot, or we, we pay t- attention to other people's opinions a lot. Mm. Or there's just a million things that are out there that we could base our life on and try to build our life on. But scripture says we are to build it on the word of God. That's what's going to stand for us. And so it, it does involve planting. The word yes. of God is like a seed. 
So when you're reading it and thinking about it, it's like you're planting little seeds. And what happens when seeds grow, when you stick a seed in the ground and you water it and you take care of it? Eventually something grows from yes. it, right? Yes. And this is the way God's seed, the seed of God's word begins to grow in our own life. But it has to be planted yeah. first in order for it to come up. And so first of all, you know, as we talk, think about dealing with fear and anxiety and even thinking back on in our family life, mm-hmm. like we go back to Columbine, that first terrible mass shooting in high school, we weren't afraid to talk about it with our kids. Right. You have to talk about these things. You have to sort of pop that balloon of fear that wants to just float around in your family, yeah, looming overhead. By talking about it, we have to just recognize and know that this kind of stuff will cause fear. That's normal. It's not abnormal. And so when we hide our struggles, yeah, this you is hide it. your emotional stuff. You pretend it's not there. You know, we always want to sort of look, I got it all together. It just really makes the problem grow bigger and bigger in your mind and heart because you don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like that balloon is growing bigger. And we can, do, we can hide for a lot of reasons out of a sense of embarrassment. Right. I don't want to talk about it. I want to look strong. I don't want to sound dumb. I don't want to sound stupid. But fear and anxiety are not a sign of weakness. Come on. It's not a sign of weakness. It's what we do with it that really matters. There. If you keep your struggles in the dark, which is what the enemy wants you to do, stay in the dark, they'll just consume you. You'll just go down this dark rabbit hole. And you chase your tail like a, you know, just over, run around, you have no... Like our cat chasing a little (laughs) toy. (laughs) You got to bring, we have to bring our stuff into the light. Yes. This is how things grow. You know, when you do plant a seed, it needs to have some light to grow. So it's what we do with fear that's important. And we do need to do something with it. We, we do need to do something with it. For one thing, we need to resist it. Look at 2 Timothy. This is a scripture that you should underline this in your Bible. Make note of it in your mind. Memorize it. First, or 2 Timothy chapter 1, wait, verse 7. Wait till 7. everybody gets yeah. here. This is really important to know this. It's vital. This was something that we tried over and over again, and we did with our kids to remind them remind ourselves of this when stuff like this would happen and there's this sense of oh no well scripture says this is why we have to know the word of god we go to the word and say god what do you say how how should i think about this well it says god has not given us a spirit of fear Mm. but but of power and of love and of a sound mind so if you're born of god look what you've been given You don't have a spirit of fear. You have a spirit of power on the inside of you. You have a spirit of love and a sound mind. God will help you with your thoughts. Yes. To take control of your thoughts. If we do like what Isaiah, that scripture that we just Mm -hmm. looked at, when our mind, we have some things planted in our heart and our mind is stayed on him, there's power to help you take control of your thoughts. And think the right way. A sound mind. See, this, this scripture tells us that fear is a spirit. It's a spirit. And we have all these circumstances, the uncertainties of life. Let's face it. I mean, we don't have answers to it. But that's okay. 
we're going to be able to stand strong and firm all the way through because we have put the Word of God into our heart. You know, we, we don't dwell on fear. I mean, if you sit there and all you do is think about the disaster and this and that, what are you doing? You're building that up. But if you come back to the Word of God and you say, no, I'm resisting that fear because I recognize that fear is a spirit and it's trying to make me forget about the Word of God. It's trying to close me off. It's trying to defeat me because the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. And he doesn't care how he does it to you. He's going to try every angle to mess you up. That's why we need to know the Word of God. It says he's given me power and love and a sound mind. This fear, this, the devil wants you to lose hope. Mm -hmm. He wants you to think on things that are not good. <laughs> he wants you to put it in your heart. Oh no, what if it happens to me? Oh no, what if this? What if that? And he wants you to continually talk about it. He wants you to continually think about it. He wants you to run from it and hide and then act like you're strong. Because nobody can live under the weight of that. It'll break you down. But greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. You lock that into you. You start doing battle against fear. Fear comes at you. You can hear it. That talks to you all the time. Say, nope. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. He gave me a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. The more you say that against the spirit of fear, that spirit is leaving. Yeah. Because he says the word of God is the sword of the spirit. So really what you're doing to that the spirit of fear, you have the God's sword and you're smacking him, smacking him, smacking him. Pretty soon he won't come by. He'll try something different. <laughs> Look at 1 Peter. Look at this first Peter. This is, this is stuff that is going to help us walk through life, go through dark valleys with confidence. With confidence. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. First Peter is right before Second Peter. <laughs> first Peter 5 5. And this is really important. Remember with the beginning, we talked about those Pharisees that, you know, they're making, why does Jesus go eat with these people who are sinners and tax collectors? Why does he take time with people who are broken down by sin? Remember what they said? He said, they're prideful. They were unable to actually tell Jesus, I'm hurting too. Right. This is the key. Look what he says here. It says, God resists the proud. Okay? If you act like, you, you know, this doesn't affect me, I'm strong, I'm this. Every, everybody, is, this, this spirit of fear is going to attack everybody. That's where you have to resist it. Look what it says here. You got to tell God, hey, here it is again. You might not even know what it is, but here it is, Lord. That feeling. You might have that feeling. Just tell God, here it is. Let him know, here it is. I've, I sense it. And you're inviting God in on the scene. Yeah. Yeah. 
We're starting in the middle of verse 5, just by the way, in case you think oh. that's confusing. <laughs> All right. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober and vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood throughout the whole world. God gives grace to who? Do you know what that God's grace is? God's grace is his power. Mm -hmm. Remember, Jesus is the great physician. He not only heals the physically sick, he helps our emotion. He heals our broken soul. And that's restoring our relationship with God the Father. And this is the, the truth of it. This real relationship with God is the foundation and the beginning of finding new life. And walking in the power of that new life in Christ Jesus. It's John, John, 6, John 16, 33. Jesus himself says this. In this world, you're going to have trouble. So don't think if you just come to Christ, I'm going to be skating free. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. But then he goes on to say, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world for you. Be of good cheer when you're facing trouble. Anybody said, hey, I'm glad this is happening. No, but see, we've got to come to a place where we can say, you know what? Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. This is going to get out of my way. And because that comes with a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Jesus is our living hope. He's our living hope. He's going to carry us through this life, not only just through this life, but throughout all eternity. Amen. Yeah. But it does begin with humility. We cannot be too proud to admit. Yeah. We need help. That some of these things that happen in our life, just life is too big for me to handle yeah. <laughs> yes. the weight. You know, sometimes when you're younger, it's like, no, I can, I can. But then you, you have these things that keep coming against your life and you realize life can become just too big of a weight to handle. Mm-hmm. You know, my, as, if you're a parent, <laughs> did I see something that you posted the other day? It was like, help me, I cannot. <laughs> How will I get through this day? You know, sometimes you can feel like you have a couple kids and your life is just like by the end of the day, ah! <laughs> Anybody with kids can say amen? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, life can just get overwhelming with parenting, with yes. kids, with your job, with your marriage. You know, your health. Yes. And then you just open up the news and it's all the craziness that's going on in the world. We have to be able to admit, I cannot do this without your strength. Yes. That I need your help, Lord. And that's, that's the person that gets help, who recognizes I don't have it all together and is okay with saying that before the Lord. And that's humility. That's humility. Yes. That's how we put ourselves into God's hands because he says, humble yourself then under the mighty hand of God. So yes. first we humble ourselves, and then we submit ourselves into his mighty hand. And that scripture that we just read, it, it says, casting your care upon him for he cares for you. Now, depending on your translation, he cares for you can just kind of go over our head. Mm-hmm. He cares for you. 
What does that mean in the Greek, if we can understand the Greek meaning, which this is why I like the Amplified Bible. I do too. <laughs> because I... we sometimes can't grasp, like what, in the Greek, there's a feeling to that word care for you. Yes. And I, we put this up on the, on the screen. It says casting the whole of your care. And that's, this is part of the meaning of it too. In God's mind and heart, this is the way he wants us to live. He wants us to live a, if you will, care free life. Like in other words, my life is in your hands. So no matter what comes against me, I'm going to keep learning to cast my care. This is why we can have an inner joy in the midst of all the suffering that we see in life. But it says casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all. That's that sense in the Greek that this is a lifestyle on him Mm -hmm. for he cares for you. How? affectionately, and how does he care about you? Yeah. Watchfully. Watchfully. So God our Father is not like some distant deity yes. just looking Come down, on. how you doing down there? If you yell loud enough, I might hear you. <laughs> <laughs> no. He's, his eye is on you. Yes. And it's an affectionate eye, and it's a watchful eye. It'd be it's- like a father who's, who's helping their baby learn how to walk. I'm watching over you. Or how about that baby's just now learning how to go up, crawl, up steps. I'm helping that baby. I'm watching. I'm careful with him. Or then coming down the steps, you know. No, you put your leg down. down. A loving father has a watchful eye. Or riding a bicycle even. Right. Yeah. They, they, they want to help and guide that child to grow up. Yes. So we have to learn how to cast our care onto God and trust him like you would. We sang that song, you're the goodness of God. Yeah. He's a good father. Yeah. And I recognize that sometimes some of us haven't had a safe, you know, and loving father figure in our lives. And that can make it hard because we can subconsciously transfer that to our heavenly father and feel like, oh, I don't know if you're really going to be like that but as you get to know him as you get to renew your mind you see that God is faithful and he's loving and he did what he did on the cross for us out of love for us and out of helping us understand the very purpose of for our life is to know him and Mm -hmm. be loved by him and then tell others about his love for him you know the scripture tells us that we have an adversary yeah he's the devil he goes around like A roaring lion. Look what's happening in the news. (laughs) How's your bank account? (laughs) How's your marriage? (laughs) You know? And he wants you to use your imagination against yourself. Your imagination is very important. That's just like what I said. I'm going to sit at the table, and I did this for years. Sat at the table, studying the Word of God, had a chair for Jesus so he could teach me. What do you think of that? I'm using my imagination. You know, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Guess what? I got a picture of that. I got a picture of that. You know, it doesn't mean I don't have trouble. It doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that my head gets squirrely sometimes. It doesn't mean that at all. <laughs> Ask Mamie. <laughs> Can we change the subject? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but yet, I go back to what we just found out in Timothy. 
God didn't give me a spirit of fear. He gave me one of power, love, and a sound mind. So I have to keep telling myself I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind. I, I really have a sound mind. <laughs> Use your imagination for yourself, inspired by the Holy Spirit, yes. not inspired by the devil to bring you down. It's just your choice. And imagine, imagine our, your heavenly father looking at you with affectionate eyes. Yes. Watchful eyes. That's the way we have to use our mind. And we say imagination, mm-hmm. but you're, you're picturing the truth. Yes. So often we picture the negative and we just do our own self-harm. Correct. But when we picture, when we look at those words and you think, Lord, you're really looking at me affectionately and watchfully. Well, then it gets easier to humble yourself. Yeah. And trust yourself into the hands, into the mighty hands (laughs) of a heavenly father like that. And and I realize that for some of you, this is a whole new way of thinking. Yeah. Because you're so used to carrying the weight and anxiety of everything. It's like we want to give God a little bit of it, but God's saying, give it all to me. Yeah, that's right. I want all of your life so that I can help you with everything. Mm -hmm. This is not just, well, I'll carry a little bit, Lord. But I'll give you, you know, this much that I can't handle. He wants us to give, cast all of our care Amen. onto him. Amen. And it's, and then for some of us, you know, we use that video to just stop it. <laughs> it's not easy to just stop it. We have to keep practicing these things. Dig deep. It takes training yeah. to sow these seeds into your thought life. Correct. Even these, even some of these scriptures that we showed you today. Mark them in your Bible. You have to take time to write them down. I used to, I did this at the beginning, and I did this for a couple of years. I put them on note cards, and I would stick them on the mirror in the morning, or I'd stick them in the console of my car. Or the refrigerator. And they, some of them were just on a, a ring flip, so that I could just, you sit at a red light. That's, we didn't have any cell phones, and people now are texting, you know. <laughs> but I would, I'd pick it up, and I'd read it. And it might have been, let's say, God's not giving me a thank you. God, you've not given me a spirit of fear, but one of yes. power, love, and a sound mind. You have to keep sowing the seed yes. into your heart. And as you speak it and think it and imagine it and talk to God about it, little by little, your mind is getting built up. Yes. So when the world is shaking around you, the Holy Spirit has something to give your mind. Oh, I'll keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on me. And so this is why we even join together, yeah. not, it, why we need a church body, people to join together with so that we could encourage one another as we see the day approaching. Because we're all going through it. And it's, it's iron sharpening iron. It's like, no, here's what, because sometimes you're going to come into church and feel like, oh, what that terrible week. Well, thank God there are going to be people around you that feel like this has been a, I feel built up. Let me yeah. pray for you. Mm-hmm. This, we need this in the day and time that we live in to help us stay on the track with Amen. God. Amen. And so today, you know, after we hear what, what we've heard, yeah. you can make a decision. You can make a decision to say, well, today's my day that I'm going to learn to cast my care onto the Lord. I'm not going to walk in fear. Right. Jesus didn't and, come to condemn the world. He right, came to save right. it. He we, came to save it. But we, have to, we do have to make that decision because even that can sort of float around in the back of your mind. That's a good thing. This yeah. is a good thing to do. I should do that. Yeah. Well, you have to mm-hmm. just speak it out and say, today's the day. Yes. Why would you wait? 
No, I want to worry some more. I want to keep my care some more. <laughs> I yeah. want to feel the weight of it some more. Yeah, I want to stay Let's, up all night and cry and moan and complain. We're going to humble ourselves. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's us. And learn to cast our care upon the Lord. So let's just do that in prayer as, yes. we, as we begin to close out. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Father, that you are a good, good father. Yes, you are. We thank you that you are with us and you will never forsake us. Lord, that there's never a day that would go by that we could we should feel like I don't have my life doesn't have meaning or purpose. Come on. You loved us so much you sent Jesus to die on a cross for us so that we have a relationship with you. And so today is the day. In my heart, Lord, today is the day I'm making a decision that I'm done carrying the weight of the things that I worry about. I want you to see those things on your shoulder. I want you to see you throwing them off your shoulder, yes. casting him at, casting those cares at his feet. Give them to him. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he says he'll give us grace. His grace will lift us up in due time. Yes. In due time. Don't take the care back because it's going to be easy to want to do that. If it doesn't somehow feel like it was instantly changed, we're going to want to take that weight back on our shoulder. But just keep casting it back. Say, Jesus, I humble myself before you. And tell him, say, thank you for grace. Thank you for your power that you are helping me. Yes. You're watching over me affectionately. Jesus, I thank you for giving the people power to make that decision, the courage to make the decision to walk under the goodness and the hand of God. If you're here today and you've really never given your life to Jesus, you might have been going to church all your life, but that doesn't make you a Christian. You have to make a decision. You have to actually open your mouth and tell him, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, and I'm asking you to come into my heart. I want to be yours. I want to walk with you from this day forward. I want to tap in to the goodness of God. If that's you, just raise your hand high enough so I can see it. And then we'll say a prayer. And that prayer, supernaturally, the Spirit of the living God will come into your heart and make you a new creation. You'll become a child of the living God. You'll be translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. of us to live a life under the carefree